This is worldradiogardening.com. You're listening to World Radio Gardening and it's our monthly uh, podcast answering your gardening questions. We'll give you the details on how to get in touch uh, at the end, so keep listening. Uh, Ken Crowther, our gardening expert, is here as well. Uh, Ken, we've got loads of uh, inquiries that have come in to us this month. Let's get going with Jenny from Southend in Essex. Now, uh, Essex was hit by the snow a few weeks ago um, and uh, she had quite a covering apparently on her lawn, but... Obviously, kids being kids wanted to play out in it and have wrecked the lawn under the snow. What can she do, Ken? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because, um, as you quite rightly say, pe- people don't realise that, that when you're playing on the snow, you're actually damaging what's underneath. The one good thing, and it, it is a good thing, believe it or not, is that if you tread on a lawn that has frost on it, you will burn the lawn because you actually snap the stem of the grass which breaks the cell structure and it will burn and leave you a grey black mark. However, when you've got snow, that shields the cold from the structure of the grass. But the downside is we've had lots of wet weather, snow on top, and I've looked at a few lawns in the last week and they're pretty muddy and they're pretty revolting. What you have to do is you've really got to make an effort to keep the children off it for now. It's worth when you've got some dry weather, hopefully in the next week or so we'll get some dry weather, just go over it. If you've got a scarifying rake, don't dig deep into it, but just rake it lightly with a scarifying rake and let the air get down into the grass. If it is bald in places during this next month, you've got the period of warmth hopefully going to turn up. As it dries, then scarify a little bit more. And then do what we do, which is overseed. Get some seed, grass seeds, pretty cheap. Throw it over the areas that are really bad and let it grow. And it will grow. As soon as that sun comes out, that seed will take off. Yeah, hopefully it won't be long before we uh, see the sun come back. Uh, uh, were you out building snowmen, Ken? Uh, not not personally. In fact, I think over the years, you know, I've, I've I've played in the snow. I think I've cleared too much snow off people's driveways and paths to make it an enjoyable pastime. (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully we'll move on from the uh, cold, snowy weather to to slightly uh, warmer climes as we uh, go through spring, hopefully. Uh, A question on raised uh, beds in a moment uh, and uh, trees as well. But uh, uh, Dave's got in touch from Kingsbridge in Devon and uh, he's got uh, some lovely roses normally, uh, but he's asking if it's safe to prune them yet. Well, it's quite interesting that he's in Devon because Devon is obviously, you know, one of the warmer parts of the UK. It's it's west. Um, and what you have to consider is with a, with a station like ours, we're hopefully talking to, well, Britain and beyond. But at least let's look at Britain. If you were in Scotland, I would say definitely don't. Even in Northumberland, I would say definitely don't. Um, I would wait till mid-March in those places. But in Devon, if they're starting to shoot, which I know they are in Essex and through the middle part of the country, um, I would actually definitely start to prune them. I'd get on with it. And if you've got hybrid teas, which is the ones with the bigger flowers, I'd cut them quite hard. They like hard pruning. You get much better blooms. And if you've got floribundas, which is the ones where you have stems with lots of flowers on, um, prune 
one stem higher than the other, and that way you get better amount of flower. So you do one, say at 18 inches, 15 inches, and the other one down to six. So alternate branches, you treat like that, you'll get a good show. And just let's just cover patio roses while we're at it, because patio roses, you just prune to shape and they work fine. So, you know, if you want more help, come back to us. You can always, and I know uh, Owen said, we'll give out the details of how you can get in touch with us at the end of this uh, session. Um, if you want more help on your roses, specific roses, just drop us a line. Actually, Ken, I noticed uh, I've got a little rose bush in a in a pot uh, in the garden, and uh, yeah, that's already beginning to uh, to to sort of sprout new growth on it. I noticed just the other day. Spring is round the corner. Certainly is. Well, let's go to uh, Northamptonshire. Uh, Ron is in Alderton. Hello, Ron. Thanks for tuning to World Radio Garden. Now, he's looking for a tree that's uh, pretty, uh, but one that doesn't spread too much. Uh, I think he's wanting to plant that in memory of someone. Actually, I always think trees are lovely memories for people either that have got married, children that have been born, or sadly, the people we've lost and and let's face it, through the pandemic, there's a lot of people that we have lost and it might be a nice thing to just plant some trees. Ron is obviously looking for one that's not too spreading. The one that first comes to mind is actually crab apples. Now, crab apples don't grow too massive. I mean, don't go and buy John Downey, but there's, there's lots of them, red sentinels, and some of them um, hold their fruit through the winter period and will feed the birds. Generally, a crab apple will grow 15, 15, 18 feet max and possibly about five to six foot wide. Now, that's not a massive tree. Um, there's one called Everest that's got a lovely orange uh, fruit on it. Again, remember, they're little apples. Uh, but that really is a gorgeous one. And I did mention, um, you know, there's other things that you can use. And one of my favorite is Prunus hilleri. Now, Prunus hilleri, um, if you imagine the branches going up triangular um, in an upward direction, perhaps 30 degrees off the main stem, that is what Prunus hilleri does. Beautiful pinky touch with a bit of white flower. Uh, in Gorgeous show in spring and gives you a bit of autumn colour as well. So there's another one that you could use. And if you're not worried about flower or fruit, I forgot to say crabs all flower as well, just like apple trees do, you could even buy an apple tree. But a lot of those are either dwarf stocks or quite big trees. So, they're, you know, you either get small or big. The other one you could buy if you're not worried about uh, getting a blossom is that uh, you could buy uh, one of the hornbeams. And again, you want one of the upright hornbeams, which exists, pyramid type hornbeam tree, which again grows just as Hillary, 30 degrees up in the air and will give you no real problems. So they are, there's another one for you as well. Hope that helps you there, Ron, with choosing what to, to buy. Uh, now, moving on uh, to uh, Lee uh, and uh, Angie's had a plumbay goes out, unfortunately. Uh, they've got frosted. What could Angie do for a plumbagos, Ken? Well, plumbago is very much a Mediterranean plant. Um, we would always suggest that you keep it in a conservatory or greenhouse. Plumbago has got a beautiful blue flower, if nobody knows it. 
It is magnificent. If you go to Portugal, Spain, uh, southern parts of France, you see plumbago around a lot. However, I imagine that what, uh, what who was it? At Angie. Angie. Angie has done is Angie has left it out through this cold period that we've just uh, experienced. What it seems to do, it sh it'll shrivel the leaf and might even shrivel the stem. The important thing with anything that has been damaged, uh, in, uh, interestingly, I've noticed some hebes in gardens have also been damaged. Whether it's a plumbago or a hebe, leave them alone. Don't cut them yet. You sit tight and you wait for this famous spring-like weather that we're going to get eventually. And once you've got your spring-like weather, you'll see where it's going to shoot from. Hopefully the plumbago with that small, it was only about a week of snow really, wasn't it? Um, that if it was snow and a bit of frost, hopefully with a week of frost, the base section of the stems might be still alive and it might sprout from the base. Don't water, leave it alone and see what happens before we cut. And again, I'm going to remind people that if they then want more information, they can come back to us, can't they, Owen? They certainly can. Get your pens and paper ready because we will be giving you the contact details very shortly. After we've uh, helped Peter in fingering her in Essex, um, he's looking at improving his raised beds and would like your advice, Ken. Yeah, I think people have raised beds a lot for, for vegetables particularly. And they do... I think it's because they're raised, they lose some of the nutrients and get washed through fairly swiftly. I would always use um, well-rotted manure to improve the soil. Now, I say well-rotted, you have to be so careful buying it. You see it by the side of the road, but a lot of it has got still a lot of um, straw and hay seed in it, which means you end up with just what looks like a lawn rather than your vegetable bed or your raised bed. Um, I still reckon that you're better off to go to a garden centre or retail nursery and buy um, their manure, which has definitely been rotted down to a, a good degree. Then it needs some other fertiliser. Quite honestly, things like Gromore are as good as anything. Cheaper. I know it's a man-made one and some people won't like it. If you don't struggle with foxes or cats or things like that or squirrels you could use chicken pellet but again chicken pellet is high in nitrogen nitrogen and would be good for salad crops and greens but you don't want too much of that on your root crops so well rotted manure then use grow more or a fertilizer down your crops as you grow them there you go, Peter. I hope that helps you uh, improving the uh, soil quality there in your raised beds. And uh, thank you to Angie, Ron, Dave and Jenny for your uh, emails and messages and queries and questions. Uh, Ken, how can people get in touch if they've got a question that they'd like to ask? Before we give you that, I've got some tips from our good friend Andrew Tokley, who is Horticultural Director at King's Seeds in Kelvedon, and he's such a great grower of vegetables. And I'm just going to run through his March tips. And the most important thing, which we'd all agree with, is wait till the soil has dried out and it's workable before you do anything on it at all. 
Onion sets and shallots, if you can't get them in the ground, you can start them off in a cold greenhouse or a cold frame. Really important to get those going. And the same for peas and broad beans. And if you've got a cold greenhouse, definitely a great place to start those off and you can plant those out later. Uh, sow some summer brassicas on a windowsill or in a heated greenhouse, and these then will be ready to plant out in April. And for a quick summer cabbage, try Caraflex F1, or try cauliflower, Boris, very appropriate at the moment, and Calabrese Stena. Sow a few carrots in deep pots in the greenhouse because it's too early to pop those out yet. And that way you get an early harvest. So there's a few tips from Andrew Toakley, and I'd like to thank Andrew very much for that. Um, Owen, are we going to give out that most important email address? Absolutely. And we've got a telephone number as well we can give in just a moment. But first, the email address. That is post at worldradiogardening.com. So if you'd like to send us an email, that's post at worldradiogardening.com. And people can also give us a call now uh, for your to get your questions answered. Uh, the telephone number to call is 33 double zero one four that's zero double three double three double four double zero one four uh ken uh hopefully uh we will get uh plenty of uh correspondence during the next month because we're doing these uh monthly uh question and answer podcast here on world radio gardening on the first monday of the month aren't we that's right and most important of all i suppose enjoy your gardens This is World Radio Gardening.